This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good evening, everybody. Thank you all for sitting right here and not spread out. Everybody's in one spot. That's great. Um, I am very excited to be here tonight. I just don't know it yet. Um, I'll look back and be very excited. Um, So tonight, uh, Pastor Tim asked me to come up and share the word with you guys and uh, just study scripture with you all. And so we're going to do that. Um, If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you need a Bible, Grant's standing by. He can give you a Bible so you can follow along with us. And we will begin momentarily. Again, that's 1 Timothy chapter 4. All right, so um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, I guess Pastor Tim said my name, but again, I am Ricky. Um, I'm the youngest of four, and uh, moving into my senior year of college here at UNLV, and yep, almost done. I'm very excited about that. So um, my life is getting rolling here, and and I'm very excited to be here at church, um, just, just so everybody knows, I've been here for about two years. Um, uh, Pastor Tim was doing the Alive Bible Study at UNLV, and my first night there at the Bible Study, he said, you want to go to Ethiopia? I said, absolutely. And from there, uh, who can leave Pastor Tim, right? He, that, that was it. Um, I, I started coming here, and I just felt like this was home, and this is a family. So um, I enjoy being around, and I'm glad I'm here. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, just a little bit of context since we're jumping right in the middle here. Uh, Paul is writing to his disciple Timothy, and he writes this letter to Timothy to remind him of the ministry and Timothy's purpose, right? So in chapter 1, we see that Paul leaves Timothy in the church of Ephesus to do a few things. And he's, he says, this is your job. I'm writing this to you to remind you that this is what you were supposed to do. We see the churches going through some crazy things and they may not be doing what they're supposed to do. So you, Timothy, as the leader, need to steal yourself, encourage yourself, have courage, you know, be strong and of good courage and remind the church that, hey, this is what we're supposed to be doing as a church and um, as a body. And so Timothy writes this, or Paul, I'm sorry. Paul writes this to Timothy, and he says that Timothy is a true son in the faith, right? So we know this is is cool. We get to read a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy on a very intimate level where Paul was spending time and teaching Timothy on a daily basis, and we get to see this interaction between them. And I think it's pretty cool that we get to see that. So um, Timothy is someone who has been discipled by Paul. And he's been trained by Paul, and he is described as a true son in the faith. Like, what more could you want, right? But it's interesting that he still needs a little bit of encouragement, right? 
And I think that can be true for all of us. Even though we know in the back of our minds that we are children of God, we are sons and daughters of God, every now and again we need that reminder, right? And so um, Paul is big on reminders. He does that all the time throughout his letters. He's reminding them of their purpose, of their faith in Christ. And so that's what we see here. Um, So Timothy was placed in Ephesus to kind of watch over the church and hold it together, right? And Paul reminds Timothy that he needs to be charged with um, teaching no other doctrine, right? And, And just the gospel. And as we can see, the church of Ephesus at the time, their biggest thing was believing in other doctrines or endless genealogies or fables um, that had nothing to do with the gospel. And so they were being distracted and moving away from the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. That is all we need in our lives to get through our everyday battles. So Paul tells Timothy, hey, remind them that we are to ignore all of that. And what we really need to do is just focus on the simple gospel. And so Timothy's job, among others, was to hold the church together and to remind them of their purpose as a church. And that purpose would to be to edify one another in the spirit and in the word and to grow in their own faith as Christians, as individuals, right? So that is what we can expect from church, right? What do you expect from church when you go there? Do you expect to hear from God? Do you expect to worship God? Do you expect to edify someone or to be edified, right? So we see these things as um, facets of a church, and uh, the church was not doing that. And so Timothy is here to remind them of that and to remind them that they need to exercise spiritually. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about spiritual exercise and what that looks like and um, how we can be reminded that every day we need to spiritually exercise ourselves, right? So let's go ahead and pray, and then we will get into um, our word tonight. So Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you, God. Uh, We thank you, Lord, so much that um, you sent your son so that at any moment, God, and at any point in our day when we are feeling weak or weary, we can just come before you, Lord, and, and be refreshed by your spirit, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us exercise spiritually, Lord, and remind us that um, each and every day is sufficient for just one day, Lord. Help us to take it one day at a time, Lord. Help us to be disciplined and, and of good courage, Lord. in in our days, Lord. And so we thank you, God, for your your love. We thank you for your grace, Lord, and we thank you for your mercy, God. And we just ask tonight that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are going to start in verse 6, but I'll give you the rundown of verse 1 through 5 because it's very simple. Paul reminds Timothy that some people will be distracted. Some people are going to be deceived, right? That's, That's just how it is. If they do not have a firm foundation in the Word of God, some crazy genealogy or doctrine is going to come along. That sounds interesting, and you might get distracted by that, right? So that was just the reality of the church at the time. We see that in our churches. It's sad and unfortunate, but we know that there is a way to make sure that doesn't happen. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. Paul says some will be deceived 
but this is what you can do as a leader of this church to make sure that no one is deceived and that no one is being led astray from these things. So I'm going to read verse 6 through 16. We'll go back and break it down and um, we'll see what's going on tonight. So verse 6, it says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. All right, so we got kind of two breaks here that we're going to go through. We have um, Paul's instructions to Timothy to remind him that, Timothy, this is your job for the church. This is what you need to lead the church in doing. And then Paul also reminds Timothy that, Timothy, you are identified with Christ. You have an identity in Jesus Christ. And because of that, you need to be an example as an individual so that you can disciple others. And so in verse 6, it begins with, if you. All right. Now, that's a conditional statement. That means in order for something to happen, you need to do the thing before that. So chapters 1 through 3, Paul lays out a bunch of information for Timothy, reminding him of his purpose and his ministry. And he says, if you instruct the brethren in those things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Right? So Timothy, we know he is a believer. We know he's a disciple of Paul. And he needs to remember that so that he can instruct the brethren what to do. And so it says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister. Um, you will fulfill your purpose, right? Now, I love here um, the word nourished because that is a very interesting word to use in the context of what's going on. And so that word nourished um, can also be translated to train up or to nurture, right? So um, something I do for fun and you might not think it's fun, but I think it's fun. Um, I have started a year ago, I started going on these Spartan races. Now, if you don't know what a Spartan race is, it's an obstacle course race where you run so many miles and every so many steps of the way, there's an obstacle. So you have to like jump over a wall or crawl under some barbed wire or carry a brick from here to over there. And, and there's, there's simple, mindless obstacles, but it's a lot of fun. And, and, and it's, it's even more fun when you do it with a group. So um, 
I go with a group of friends and we all go down and we do these races together and we have a good time. But what I didn't know was that if you didn't train for one of these races, during the race, you were not gonna have a good time. And so athletes, I don't know how many of you in your day have played a sport. I'm sure all of us have. Um, but we know, even from celebrity athletes or anything, if you ever hear an interview with them, they're asked how many hours a day do you train? Many of them say like all day or um, half of the day. But we know it's a lot of hours, right? So they're training themselves to do the thing that they need to do to win, right? So if you're a tennis player, you're gonna train your, um, your top spin, you're gonna train your backhand, you're gonna train your um, running speed so that you can get from one side of the court to the other. You're gonna train it so much so that it's second nature, right? How, do you, do, does anybody watch tennis? You can raise your hand. Um, so, so we know who Roger Federer is, right? Absolutely, he's awesome, right? Okay. One of the things that makes him so cool is he's got that, that cool, like when the ball's behind him, he runs and he doesn't even look and he just hits it under his legs and it goes right to where he wants it. How many times do you think Roger had to train that move before it was second nature, right? That's what this idea of nurturing is, is you do it over and over and over again so that it's just, it's second nature, right? So athletes do this all the time. When I'm training for a Spartan race, um, I know the obstacles that are in there, so uh, one of the obstacles is to carry a 75-pound bucket full of rocks from one spot and do a lap that's maybe like a half a mile or a quarter mile. It depends on who creates the race. Um, sometimes they have crazy people who like to torture us. Some pe sometimes the people are kind of nicer. So, but when I'm at home and when I'm training, I have my own bucket full of rocks, and I grab it, and I just walk around until you know, I'm like, okay, this is... This doesn't hurt anymore, right? The first few days when I haven't done it in a while, I'm like, man, this, my back, this hurts so much. And it's not a nice feeling, right? It hurts, it, it's painful, it stretches you, um, it's stretching your muscles. These things happen when we're nurturing our physical body, right? And we're gonna get more into that in a little bit, but I just wanted to explain to you guys what the Spartan race was. Um, so there, there's also places in this race where we're forced to just go under um, some muddy water. So they call it the dunk wall, and it's literally a wall. And it's so much, the, the water is filled up to the wall to right here, so you have to actually go all the way under the water to get to the other side of the wall to continue on to the race. Um, my favorite part of the race, it refreshes me. The water is freezing cold, and it's awesome. But um, we'll get there. So this idea of nurture, um, allows us to understand that it needs to be a daily thing, right? Spiritual exercise needs to be a daily thing. And if you're not doing it daily, then you know the next time you do it after like four or five days, it's hard again, right? So after a while, it gets easier and easier. But if you stop, it gets hard again. And so Paul reminds Timothy, he says that you were nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So remember that. You, you're trained in this, Timothy. You can do this. You're able to lead because this is what you were trained to do. It's second nature for you, Timothy. So let's, let's use this, right? He says, verse 7, what you need to do and what you need to tell the other people is to reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. So we're to reject 
the lies, the false truths, right? The other things of the world that people think, um, the, I don't know what that might be for some of you. Maybe it's like a motivational speaker or um, some, some other doctrine that does not pertain to what scripture says. Something that someone believes that is deceiving them because it's a fable. It's just a fable. It's something people have said for many years and we don't know why that's being said anymore, but people believe it because uh, it sounds good. Right? He's saying reject that, but instead to exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness profits is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Right? So reject the old fables and the, the, the lies that does not make any sense, but exercise yourself towards godliness. Now, Paul uses this example of physical exercise to help us understand that um, there's physical exercise, but then there's spiritual exercise. Now, physical exercise, we would agree it's good. Again, once you start after not having done it for so long, you're like, man, this hurts. But after a while, it starts to get easier and easier and easier, and you're starting to lift more and run more or whatever, and you're getting swole whatever you say these days, um, and it gets easier. Spiritual exercise is the same way. I bet you guys could recall back to when you first got saved and when you first had to pray in front of a bunch of people. You're like, uh, I don't know what to say. Everybody else prays so well and so godly, and I'm just going to say, thank you, Jesus, amen, right? But after doing it, once or twice or three times or seven times, then you're like, okay, I got this. Praying in front of people is easy. I'm here to pray to God. I'm here to edify someone. I'm here to um, gather as a body and function as a body through prayer. And so that's what spiritual exercise is all about. He says bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. So physical exercise, running, or lifting weights, or doing yoga, whatever your exercise is, um, it's good for this day, right? It's good for today. You'll be healthy for today. You have some of that healthiness left over to, for tomorrow, but then you'll need to recharge it, right? But we know in the end, we're all going to die, right? It doesn't matter how fit you are. Everybody dies, all right? So that physical exercise might prolong you, but it's going to happen, right? Now, godliness... Spiritual exercise will last forever. And, and we've been talking about that in, uh, on our Sunday morning study in First Peter, that we have that hope that's indestructible. It will not be corrupted because it's going to last forever. We have hope in eternity, which is e eternal. It's not temporal like the bodily exercises. So, but Paul is not saying don't exercise, okay? Paul is just saying... He's helping us understand that if physical exercise is good for you, how much more so is spiritual exercise going to be good for you? Because that's what's going to last forever. That's what's going to carry over into the um, eternal life that you are going to live with Jesus Christ. And so he says, exercise yourself towards godliness for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come, right? That promise, we have hope in that promise. We know Jesus Christ, God's word is true. He said that you will be saved. I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place in heaven reserved for us. And we just got to get there, right? So you can ask yourself, am I going to just 
float through and hopefully I'll get there? Or are you going to exercise yourself so that you're healthy when you get there and that you can experience it, the fullness of that incorruptible inheritance that we're going to receive? So he says, exercise yourself towards godliness because it's profitable for all things. And we know that um, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. So I, I love that. I, I'm an English major, so I, I think like Paul does. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. Um, Paul is, he said to reject the profane and old wives' fables. And I just told you how to do that. He said to exercise yourself towards godliness. And he says, but don't worry, Timothy, this is a faithful saying. Like, what I just told you is the truth and not a fable. Right? So we can, we can trust Paul because we know that he's full of the Holy Spirit and he's speaking the words of God. And we know that his advice is sound and it's not going to lead us astray, but it's going to lead us towards God. So he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of our acceptance, giving himself authority. And then in verse 10, he reminds Timothy, for this reason... Or for, to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living in God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things command and teach. So he's just reminding Timothy, Timothy, the time you're in now, right? The, the church is struggling and they're, they're being led astray by all these endless genealogies and these false doctrines and saying, Timothy, that's okay. I know you're suffering, but the reason we're suffering is because we trust in the living God, right? That, we, we just went over that in 1 Peter as well. Those trials that we go through, the, God deems it necessary that we go through those trials so that we can um, develop the hope that we have in him and trust in the living God. And, and Paul is just reiterating the same thing Peter does um, in 1 Peter that we've been going through in the morning. So he says, these things command and teach, right? Back in verse 6, he said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, and he comes full circle for Timothy, he reminds him, this is what you have to command and teach, right? So that was Timothy's job, was to remind the church that you need to reject those things and exercise yourself towards godliness. Now we ask ourselves, how do we do that? Um, it it's a very simple answer, I promise. But sometimes we go through our lives and we overcomplicate things. And, and I'll be the first to overcomplicate things because I, I, I know I have that hope. But I'll be the first one to say, I want that hope now and I want to be perfect now. But spiritual exercise doesn't work that way. You got to work through it. You got to go through that process, right? You got to go through that trial if need be. So um, this next section of Versus is um, that reminder that, Timothy, you got to exercise your spiritual faith. You, you, it's not going to happen on a nightly, or it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. And so he says to Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and impurity. Let no one despise your youth. That is a verse that I have heard from the very beginning when I first started um, getting involved in church and uh, doing uh, God's work as a servant. Um, always let no one despise your youth. Yeah, no, let no one despise your youth. I guarantee you it's in every youth conference, in every youth mission trip, whatever. Why? Because it's, it's such a, 
It's such an encouraging statement. He says, Timothy, let no one despise your youth. I know you're young, but you are leagues ahead of anyone who doesn't even believe in the gospel, right? The second you believe in the gospel, you're a young Christian. You have immense power and hunger and thirst for the word of God that you're ready to go, right? You're going to get launched. God is going, he's been working on you. He's been working on your heart and your heart is transformed and you're just going to get launched, right? But Satan likes to, to, to play tricks on you and he's like, ah, you're too young. No one's going to believe you. You can't do that. You've never done that before. Satan tells us these lies all the time. Satan's been telling me these lies this past two weeks. <laughs> um, so Paul knows, and he reminds Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Now, a good thing for you guys, uh, youth doesn't have to be 16-year-old. Youth doesn't have to be 23-year-old. Um, in this time, youth could have been all the way up to like 40, or maybe even 42 if we could, we could play around with that. So um, the point is that youth can, can mean a number of things. It does not have to necessarily mean just the the age but youth as a youth as a christian right when you're just starting out um because if that youth gets destroyed if that young age gets destroyed then the foundation is going to be messed with and that's exactly what satan wants because then your foundation is going to shift and satan's got you there but god doesn't let that happen to us so paul reminds timothy let no one despise your youth but be an example to the believers in word in what you say in conduct, in how you act, in love, that word is agape, so sacrificial love to one another or um, in service to God. In spirit, or in other words, your character, how you, um, how you conduct yourself, how you think. Um, in faith, so your belief in the living God. And in purity, so in sexual purity or even your thoughts or how you conduct yourself, your character, having a pure heart, right? This morning we talked about um, encouraging one another in genuine, pure encouragement rather than just, oh, I'm a Christian, I have to do that. So um, the interest that we could spend, I've spent with youth before a week on this verse alone, and we have done, we just destroyed it. But uh, we don't have time for that tonight. And so the one thing I want to point out is that as an English major, um, I pay attention. I know it's just translation, but it works for me. God, God does it. He, he uses that. So if we see there, it says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. And then it starts that list, right? It says, in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I always thought it was interesting that there's no word in there translated and. In our English language, usually we would say in faith and in purity, right? But that doesn't happen here. And so I liken it to this idea that Paul is reminding Timothy that you have to do all of these things at the same time, right? If it was and, it was like, oh, I could do that and that. But because there's no and here, we have to be an example in our word and our conduct and our love and our spirit and our faith and our purity all at the same time. So when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at home, when you're at church, when you go on vacation, all of these things need to be at the forefront of your mind so that you can be an example to the believers around you and also the unbelievers around you so that they can see, oh, you're acting a little bit different. That's unusual, right? 
So where does that come from? Oh, that comes from Jesus. Uh, he's transformed my heart. So all at the same time. Another thing Paul is reminding Timothy here is that, Timothy, you're an example. What does that mean? When I um, encouraged the youth in this, I said, um, that means someone is always watching. Someone is always watching. And, and at, at the time, the youth at the time had a tendency to believe that they're in this protective church bubble, that no one is watching and we can do what we want. And yeah, we're Christians, but um, that's enough for us, right? But someone is always watching. Everywhere we go, when we were on this youth mission trip, people notice things. And, and it's bizarre, too, because we were in Mexico. So, um, you know, like we had that language barrier, but that doesn't change our understanding of a smile or um, helping out strangers or praying with a group of people that we don't even know in, in the middle of the street. These things, people see that. And, and that, that is how we can be an example to the believers in all of these things. So um, just, just remember, someone is always watching, right? And, and that, that'll change your life if you live by that. So um, Paul reminds Timothy, be an example in these things. And this is where we get to the spiritual exercise. So he says, verse 13, till I come... So I love that. Paul is, Paul is like, Timothy, don't worry, man. I'm going to come. Right? I wrote you this letter, but I still need to be there. I, it, it, we know that the letter is cool. The encouragement is great. The thought is awesome. But there's nothing like getting that surprise visitor who comes to your house and just encourages you in, in these things. So he's, like, he's setting Timothy up. He's like, Timothy, I'm going to come, and I'm going to encourage you then. But for now... This is what you need to do. So he says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. All right? Those three things, very simple. Reading the word. Um, at the time, it was reading the word publicly um, to, to everybody. Exhortation, um, encouraging one another, lifting each other up rather than tearing each other down. And doctrine, also translated as teaching. So teaching... Um, the, the deeper meanings or helping others understand more or even like teaching practically like, um, you know, we, when you're in a situation and, and someone, um, I don't know, this, this is coming out of nowhere. Uh, someone steals your ox or your lamb, right? And, and you go after them to retaliate. No, Timothy, teach them. That's not what we do, right? We, we work this out civilly, right? We work this out like Christians. We're good examples, right? You don't have to go and steal two lambs. It doesn't work that way, right? So that could also be teaching. Um, so there, there's many ways we can learn um, through these things. But I will say that those things are what I learned as, as a young Christian going to church, spending time with my youth pastor and the other pastors and godly men who were... Um, willing to spend time with me, I, I learned practical things. You, you could ask me, what did you learn from them? And I couldn't tell you, but I know that I learned practical things just by being around them, right? And so this is what we're getting back to, and this is the purpose of the church. Remember at the beginning, I said, what do you expect when you come to church, right? Do you expect to read the Word of God? Do you expect to be exhorted, 
or to encourage someone else? Or do you expect to learn something, right? Learn something new about God or learn something new about someone else or learn something new about yourself, right? So these three things is what Timothy needs to give attention to as himself. But again, Timothy's command was to teach others. So if Timothy didn't know how to do it, he couldn't teach others. And so that's why Timothy has to go through his own spiritual exercise in order to disciple others and to help them. And so um, reading, exhortation, and teaching, doctrine. He says, verse 14, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Right? Timothy had the spiritual gift to lead the church in this way. So he's saying, don't, don't, remember, don't despise your youth. Don't listen to the lies of Satan. You have the power of the prophecy and the laying hand of the eldership by the Holy Spirit to do these things, Timothy. So go and do them. You can do it, Timothy. Right? You can do it, little Timothy. You can do it. And, and it's just, it's as simple as that, right? I know when um, my first Spartan race, I kind of knew what I was getting into, um, but it, it was a point where I was, uh, the guy who asked me, he was asking me for years. He asked me for three years. Um, every time he went on a race, hey, you want to go on a race with me? Uh, no, I'm uh, not going to do that. And there were reasons for that, but there were excuses. I just didn't want to do it. Finally, I said, you know what? He asked me, and I was like, you know what? Fine. Next year, which was 2018, I'll go on every race you go on. And that changed my life. I went, and we, it was amazing, and I've learned a lot about myself, and it's been good. But my first race, my first ever race, it was in Chino Hills, California, and which is it's a very easy race, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but at the beginning of the race, so there's a start line, and before the start line, um, it's called the corral. So everybody has to start at a certain time. You sign up for the race. You get a start time. Your start time is at 8.45. That's when you can start the race. You can start any time after 8.45, but not before. So that's just how it works. Um, so to organize everything, they have what's called the corral. And so it's the start line, and then there's a wall, and the space between there would be the corral. Now that wall is called the warm-up wall. And it's, it's like a four-foot wall. It's not high at all. Um, but you have to jump over it to get into the corral. And I had no idea this was there. I, I just thought I was going to start a race like you start any other race. So I got there, and I saw this wall, and I, like, froze. And I was like, I don't even know if I can jump a wall. Like, I, I don't. I, I, I'm an English major. I read books, and, and, I, and I go to church, and I sit in chairs. Like, I don't jump walls. So... I was terrified. Um, so I go to this wall. Um, my friend jumps over the wall. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And, and I go and I jump over the wall. Easy as that. So simple. Um, but I had no idea it was there. And so um, it was very simple. But I didn't know I could do it until that first time I did it. Now every time I get to that wall, I'm like, I own you, I got this. And I jump over that wall and I like, I jump twice as high just to get over that wall. And you know, it's, it's just this idea of spiritual exercise again. So Paul says, um, you can do this, Timothy. You have the power to do this. So live in that power, Timothy. If you don't live in that power, you're cheating yourself. So every day when you wake up, Pastor Tim likes to say this, you, you, you can say to yourself, I'm going to choose to satisfy the spirit and not satisfy the flesh, right? 
the first time you try that, it's so hard because we know the flesh is tempting. But you do it once and you have a great day. And you're like, oh man, that was awesome. I'm going to start every day like that. And then you do it the next day. And then you do it the next day. And it's easier every single time until, you know, something happens. You go on vacation. Something uh, throws a wrench in your routine. And you're like, oh man, I didn't do it that day. And then you fall off for a couple of days. And then it's not so easy anymore until you remind yourself, okay, I got to do that. Spiritual exercise, that, that was my discipline. And then you, do, you start doing it again, right? And then it's a little hard at first, but then it's, it gets easier faster because you're so used to it. And it's that second nature, right? So he says, Timothy, you can do this. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So think about it. Our minds are crazy. I, I, I can't. It's hard to think about sometimes because I, I, don't, I don't fully understand the way our minds work. God created us so intricately and so complex, yet so simple at the same time. And, and our minds are just amazing of capable things. Um, so he says meditate on these things, right? Meditate on the reading. Meditate on how you can exhort one another. Meditate on teaching one another. You meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, right? So doing it all throughout the day instead of just on Sundays or just on Wednesdays or just on holidays, right? If you meditate on these things entirely, spiritual exercise, these things are going to be easier, and we're getting to the result of that. So he says, um, meditate on these things. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So take heed. I love that. Um, Paul is saying, Timothy, take care of yourself, right? Take care of yourself before you try to take care of others. So I mentioned earlier, my favorite part of the Spartan race is that dunk wall. And um, it's, just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I have pictures if you want to see them. Um, so uh, we, we get to this wall and we go completely under. It's muddy water. It's, it's literally just, it's a tarp. They, dug, they dig a ditch and then it's a tarp and it's water and dirt and it makes mud. And you go under and you come out completely covered in mud, right? He's saying, Timothy, take care of yourself. If, if I did not rinse off after the race because they have little stations where you can rinse off. My mom would not let me come home. She would say, no, you need to rinse off before you get into my very clean house that I just spent all weekend cleaning because you were gone. Um, so th the same is true for us. You know, you got to take care of your sp yourself spiritually, right? Take care of yourself. Get rid of the junk. Get rid of the stuff that distracts you, the fables, the false truths, right? Get rid of that stuff. Pay attention to yourself and continue in the good things, the reading, the exhortation, and the doctrine. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you, right? So Timothy, Paul knows that Timothy is a leader. And so not only when you take care of yourself are you setting yourself up for success, right? Your daily success, you're not squandering your life and wasting your time in these life-dominating sins, but rather you're living in victory, you're living in the Spirit, growing closer to God, um, learning from God, serving God, and exhorting others through all of that, right? But um, so you're doing that for yourself, but then you're also doing that for those who hear you. Remember, Paul, Paul's so smart. <laughs> well, God is through Paul, but those who hear you. So Timothy, remember, verse 12 is an example, right? Someone's always watching. 
right? And people are going to hear about your reading, about your exhortation, about your service to God. People are going to hear about that. And when they do, if they're an unbeliever, that might be the way in which God reveals himself to that person, right? Um, they could say, oh, that's unusual. What is that? And then you start having conversations, and that leads into some discipleship, and then that leads into, do you understand what's going on? And then that person says, yeah, um, God, God's speaking to me, and then their life is transformed by the Holy Spirit. So he says, in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so my final encouragement to you guys is, let no one despise your youth. Don't let Satan deceive you into believing that you cannot do this because he, he loves to do that. That's his, he's the father of our lies and that's all he's going to do. Um, but, but take heed to yourself. Clean up yourself. Get rid of those lies. Don't pay attention to those old wives' tales or those fables, but rather give yourself entirely to meditating on the word, right? to exhorting one another as a church, right? We come to church for that very purpose and, and to teaching others what you know about God and learning together, right? Um, I know uh, I would never have done a Spartan race on my own. It, it just wouldn't happen, right? But because someone asked me to go with them, we went as a team and he's, if I said no, he's gonna say too bad. And if he said no, I'm gonna say too bad, we're going. And we both go and we exercise ourselves physically, but we can also do that spiritually, right? So coming to the men's Bible study or the ladies Bible study and, and going with someone, inviting someone and saying, hey, we're gonna go together. And it's gonna be that much easier to do that. So don't let Satan deceive you, um, exercise yourself in what you say, in word, in your conduct, how you behave, in, in love, in sacrificial love to one another, um, in your character, how you conduct yourself, uh, in faith, um, reminding yourself that God is good, right? He is worthy to be praised. And, and because of that, we are so grateful that we decide to go and to serve him and to tell others about him and proclaim his word. And in purity, um, in, in, your, in your mind, in your thoughts, um, be pure, right? There's a lot of junk in this world, um, but it's, it's very possible through the power of the Holy Spirit and through God and meditating on these things. You can't think of two things at once. You think about the things of this, of this world, you're not going to be thinking about the things of heaven. But if you think about the things of heaven, you're not going to be thinking about this world, right? You can't do, can't do both of those. So... Um, Paul reminds Timothy, you need to exercise spiritually, Timothy. I know it's going to be hard, and there's a lot of persecution going around, but once you start doing it, Timothy, it gets easier, and it feels so good, and you're just going to continue on, and, and you're going to get stronger in, in that spiritual um, battle and in your spiritual um, faith, right? So um, I want to encourage you guys, exercise these things, and... Um, just remember that uh, God has a purpose for you. And, and because of that, um, you know, Satan, Satan's got nothing on you. He's got nothing. God, God, God is so much greater and more powerful than Satan. Amen. Amen. <laughs> is that water? Do I need it? I can't. I'll tell you why I can't later. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Father... We thank you so much, God. Um, 
Lord, we thank you, God, that you are patient with us and, and you desire to bless us and you desire to see us grow and, and to understand you more, God. So, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that all of us here, that we would just increase in the knowledge and understanding of you, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, and, and that we would give ourselves entirely to these things and, and to exercise spiritually, Lord, and, and to help others exercise spiritually and, and to just uh, take it one day at a time, God. Lord, we thank you that... Um, you are good and, and that you are true, Lord, and that the, the fables of this world mean nothing to us compared to the truth of your gospel, Lord. We thank you, God, that um, you sent your son to die on the cross for us, Lord. We thank you that you redeemed us with his precious blood, Lord, so that we could have that eternal hope in you, God. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy, God. But most of all, as always, Lord, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name.